Hi everyone, welcome back to Pick Up the Phone. My name is Camelia, and for once I'm alone. <laughs> Usually this is the part where I introduce somebody else, but it's just me today. I decided I wanted to switch up a little and do a more serious solo episode. I've been talking to a lot of friends lately about um, just getting back into reading and swapping book recs and things, so I thought I would make that into a podcast and share with you guys some of my favorite books that I've been loving lately, or even ones that I've loved for years. Some of these books are more common and popular, but I also tried to pick some that I haven't really seen a lot of press about and share some underrated favorites that I think you guys might like. I do have pretty varied tastes, so hopefully everyone will find something that they're interested in, but I definitely lean more towards fiction plot stories. So even if I'm reading nonfiction, I prefer like a memoir or something that's like a narrative nonfiction than just like straight up nonfiction. And I try to pick some of my most exciting books too. I know sometimes I get stuck in a reading slump and I just will go so long without picking up a book, but once I get back into it, I'm really back into it. So I tried to pick some of the ones that I think are just like universally such a good, easy read and um, just want to keep me turning the pages. Okay, so I'm re- <laughs> I'm recording this part after I recorded the episode, um, and I came back to say that I had a <laughs> list of 16 books planned, and then true to form, I did talk way too much. And um, I only got through half the books before realizing that I had a full-length episode worth of recordings. So I think I'm going to split this into two parts. So in this episode, I'm doing fiction, romance, and short story collections. And then whenever I do the follow-up episode to this one, I will be doing biographies, memoirs, historical nonfiction, as well as fantasy, sci-fi, and adventure stories. So yeah, I won't drag it on any further. But let me know if you guys do end up reading any of these. I would love to talk about them because these are some of my faves. This is Camelia. Please pick up the phone. I'm going to start out with fiction books. And the first book I'll be talking about today is Gold Diggers by Sanjana Sathian. Gold Diggers is a coming-of-age story, and the main character is named Neil, who we're first introduced to when he's in high school. It really focuses on the pressures of being a high school student in a community that really cares a lot about success, especially in terms of um, measurable things like grades, the rigor and reputation of the college you go to, how well-perceived your major is... Uh, and what job you go on to have, as well as more image-based things such as, um, you know, being in a relationship and marrying someone and starting a family. I found this really relatable right off the bat, and this is something that pulled me into the story because I think that it was really realistically explained, uh, especially for young people who are both trying to live up to their parents' expectations or their community's expectations, but also struggling to figure out sort of who you are and what you want to do for yourself, and if your goals are actually your own or if they've just sort of been given to you. In Neil's case in particular, he's a part and his family are part of the Indian American community in the suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia. 
So in addition to Neil, we have Anita, his neighbor and childhood friend and the same age as him. And her family is also a core part of the story. We also get to meet Neil's older sister, who is a bit of a foil to him and seems to just sort of slide through life perfectly and hit all of her expectations. Anita's mother is also really central to the story. And we get to hear a lot of stories of flashbacks of her and her childhood in India. And that kind of gets contrasted um, with what's going on in present day and also sets some context and sort of you get to connect all the dots. I really like the way that this author writes high schoolers. I think there's some very realistic, you know, sort of like gossip about other people. The like, oh, haha, I don't mean to be rude, but you know, did you see so-and-so? Like, that's so embarrassing. And just sort of that self-consciousness about um, growing awareness of romance and being interested in your friends as more than friends and like all of those sorts of things. This book is also in the magical realism category, which basically means it takes place in like a real world setting, but there's something that's sort of like magical or supernatural, but it's just treated as though it's a part of everyday life and not addressed for being otherworldly or unusual. So Neil and Anita get involved with this magical thing. And there's like a big thing that happens as a result of their decisions. And then they stop speaking and then the book picks up 10 years later and they reconnect. And I won't say too much, but yeah, the book is really, really fascinating and so engrossing. I think even the book's title, Gold Diggers, alludes to so much about the story. First of all, the fact that it has a double meaning because literal gold is an important aspect of the story, but also gold diggers is sort of a slang term, you know, with a connotation that refers to somebody, usually a woman who's after someone else for their money with, you know, like less than pure intentions. And I think the concept behind gold digging in general, which is sort of like you're going for something that isn't quote unquote rightfully yours. And that really ties into the story's major theme of what successes are yours? Like what sort of good future are you owed or entitled to and how far should you go to get to those goals and what are the effects that your actions in pursuit of your goals and your successes have on other people. It's a beautifully written book. I'm not going to do this for all of these but I wanted to read a short excerpt because I think that the writing is so beautiful. This is from Neil's thoughts um, and he says, in the space between us and the rest of adulthood lay a great expanse of unknown. We had not grown up imbibing stories that implicitly conveyed answers to the basic questions of being. What did it feel like to fall in love in America, to take oneself for granted in America? Starved as we were for clues about how to live, we would grip like mad onto anything that lent a possible way of being. So as you can tell, the author is massively talented and the book is just like so enthralling all the way through. I couldn't put it down. And it's such a beautiful mix of handling so many serious topics in ways that are really thought provoking, but it's still light in the way that it's like interesting and sharp and funny. Um, yeah, this is one that will for sure kick you back into reading if you're in a bit of a slump. Next up, we have Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. And this book, Oh my goodness. Just to say how much I love it, I have made multiple people in my life read this book just so that I could talk to them about it. That's how good it is. I really love this book for the characters and the specificity of um, the way that Kylie Reed writes her characters. She writes a lot of kind of behaviors and like beliefs that I don't see normally addressed in books. All the characters are given a real complex morality where we get to see from their internal perspective how they think they're doing the right thing 
and how they're sort of doing the mental gymnastics to convince themselves that their perspective is the right one and other people are the ones who are immoral or doing the wrong thing. And then we also get to see from the outside perspective how maybe someone's intentions don't quite align to how the execution ends up being. And I think that is so genuine and also so impressive and made this book so good to read. Although when I say good, I feel like it's also a very tense book because there's so many interpersonal dynamics at play that it makes you almost anxious like you're in the room with them and you're just like hoping that everything will work out all right. Um, But let me tell you guys what it's actually about before I sell it too hard. Such a Fun Age is about a young black woman named Amira who is in her mid-20s. She's a few years out of college and she has taken a job as a nanny for a wealthy white family. Basically, the first scene of the book is Amira taking the kid that she's a nanny for to this, like, super fancy Whole Foodsy style market just to kind of, like, get the kid out of the house. And Amira is accused by a security guard at the store and, like, a, another bystander at the store of <laughs> kidnapping the child. She walks away fine, but it is, you know, obviously a very tense, fraught scene. And that's sort of the axis on which the rest of the book shifts and everything plays out from that moment. Something else about Amira that makes her a really interesting and likable character is that she feels like she's falling behind a lot of her friends. Being 25 and not really knowing, quote unquote, what she wants to do with her life and what direction she's headed and feeling like her friends have it all figured out and are really on a specific path. And not only just on a path, but feeling like they've almost had uh, like an ease. Things are just starting to fall into place with them, whether that's they're moving up in the ranks of their career or or pursuing more degrees, or even just having a lot of luck in like dating and relationships. Um, I think she feels more like the out of place one or like she's falling behind, which is like a really common, just like genuine sentiment. And it's very easy to root for her. She's like a really kind, like likable character. There's also a lot of tension as her employers and particularly the mom tries to navigate how to relate to Amira and what their relationship should be, especially in the aftermath of the incident with the security guard at the grocery store. So I think that this book is just like a beautiful and very fraught examination of the complexities of relationships and the role that money, power, race, and gender play in those. I think it's just a fantastic read. I was very, very invested in it and I couldn't put it down once I got to a certain point. I would describe reading this book as feeling like you are in like a whirlpool ride at a water park and you're just getting closer and closer to the center that'll suck you down. So the more you read, the more you're almost like trapped and stuck in this spiral of tension and you have to keep going because you can't get out and you have to see it through to the end. And yeah, it's just like masterfully done and absolutely brilliant read and I can imagine anyone enjoying it. The next book I'm recommending is The Westing Game by Ellen Raskin. Some of you guys may have read this one because this is more of a, I guess, classic book. Um, And I think some people maybe read it in schools or at least like It was pretty popular as we were growing up. Um, The premise of this book is that there is a new apartment complex in town and a bunch of different families and individuals have received invitations to tour it. And they don't know at the time, but they are the only people asked or invited to come check out the new apartment complex. So they're basically specially selected to... The apartment building is almost like made for them. 
all the spaces perfectly fit the needs of all of the tenants who are being invited to tour. So everybody moves in. And shortly after that, a mysterious old billionaire in the town is found dead, potentially murdered. And he has left for the inhabitants of this apartment complex, a big mystery game series of riddles sort of thing where like whoever wins gets his inheritance. So obviously everybody is very invested in playing in this. But at the same time, as people are trying to, you know, get to the end of this puzzle and win the money, um, they're also trying to figure out why all of them were selected. None of them knew this billionaire and why they're the only ones who have the option to inherit this money and what the connection is between all the people there, why they were selected, as well as um, how the old man died and if somebody in the apartment complex is responsible for that. It's just a very fun good read it almost feels classic in a sense because there are a lot of like you know old person dies mystery to get their money books but i really like the characters in this one they're all really really different and the way that they have to sort of like make friends or even dislike cohabitate and live with all these other people that they're thrust into the apartment complex with and the ways that their lives come to be entangled I think is really well done as well as the story itself is just like a nice mystery without being like too too intense um this book is also really short it's like less than 200 pages so um it's a pretty easy read if you're looking for something that's a little bit more quick The next fiction book I'm recommending is On the Weirder Side, um, and I've never heard of any book with a plot quite like it. It's called Sourdough or Lois and Her Adventures in the Underground Market by Robin Sloan. And the premise of this book is that Lois is a software engineer in San Francisco, and the book takes an almost satirical, comical lens to describing her being a full-time coder um which obviously you know hit home for me personally lois works for this like huge jumbo company that pays her a bajillion dollars and she's not even sure like what she does is good or helpful or or anything she basically just like you know they sold this vision really hard that everyone coming in was a part of something but now she just kind of like goes into the office codes her day away and comes home And she really has no life outside of work. All she does is work, work, work so many hours every day, way more than a 40-hour work week. She doesn't have any friends. She doesn't have any love life. She barely keeps in touch with her family. She doesn't talk to her neighbors or live with anyone. And she barely can, like, keep herself functional, basically. She doesn't even cook for herself at all. In fact, it's like a joke at the company that, like, a bunch of the software engineers are so into their work and care so little about taking care of themselves that they eat basically, like, even worse protein shakes that just give them all their nutrients and they just take down this, like, sludge and that's those are their meals for the day. And then one day Lois finds a kind of like hole in the wall restaurant that has really spicy, very flavorful soup and some really good bread. And she orders it and it's like the best thing she's ever tasted. This soup and bread just revives her so much. And it's like at this point in the book, like we haven't seen her be excited about anything or moved by anything until she tries this food. She loves it so much that she gets it every day and it becomes, you know, a real like joy for her day. And then one day the two brothers that own the place call her and tell her that they are leaving the country and closing down the shop. And because she is their number one fan, they are leaving her the sourdough starter that they make their special bread from. And she has to keep it alive and keep making bread and carry on the memory of their restaurant. And she's like, what the fuck? I can't even make myself any meal, let alone bake bread. 
But they leave her with the sourdough starter and she feels, you know, like very compelled to keep it alive in their memory. (laughs) So um, the rest of the book really takes a turn from here and the sourdough starter takes her on a journey. It's basically like a reminder of the important things in life and she kind of like regains her passion for living and begins to kind of find herself again and who she is outside of this work through her bread baking adventures and it is a little bit of a weird book but it's very fun and um i think lois is just such a relatable character that you can't help but root for her because she's not by any means too perfect she's really just trying to figure it out um it's just such an unexpected but funny and delightful read. Next up, um, as I guess a subsection of fiction, we're going to be talking about romance novels. And y'all should know I take my romances very seriously. And by that I mean I really hate the like tropey, stereotypical, it just feels like really stupid sort of books or, you know, even rom-com movies. So I have two to recommend today and I find them both very just like what a romance novel should be, which is like very fun, very heartwarming, always leaves you feeling good at the end, but with some actual character development and some conflict that's not like so freaking forced. The first of the two that I have to recommend is... Take a Hint, Danny Brown by Talia Hibbert. Now, if you Google this book, you'll see that it says that it's the second book in a series of three, but the books don't really like tie in together. And I honestly don't like the other two that much. I just like this book. So I would recommend starting with this one. Danica or Danny is a PhD candidate, very topical after Maroof last week, um, and part-time professor at a university. Um, And she is very involved in her work. She's very passionate about the research that she does and making a difference in her field. And she really wants to make a name for herself in academia. And she's just very focused on that. She does also have friends and her family that she's close with, but she's really focused on them. And she sees romance as something that she kind of doesn't really have time for and like wouldn't work well for her at this point because she doesn't have time to like commit herself to a relationship. So if she is looking for anything, it would be more like a hookup and she's like by no means looking for a relationship. Now, she has a guy at the university that she becomes friends with, Zafir, who is the security guard of the building that she works in. They're good friends and they have a real rapport. They're always like chatting on the day and stuff. And you can tell that they genuinely have a fondness for each other and they get along well, which I think is one of the reasons why I like this book a lot because as their friendship becomes a relationship, it feels natural and you like actually understand why they would like each other instead of it just kind of coming out of nowhere. Long story short, someone snaps a photo of them where it kind of looks like they're together and it goes viral on Twitter. Then Zafir asks Danny to kind of continue pretending that she's in a relationship with him because he runs a charity on the side of being a security guard and this has given him a good opportunity to sort of promote his charity and who is she to say no to helping the children? So she says yes and they start this fake relationship but obviously, you know, they're already friends and they think the other one is hot so we all know it's going to happen from there and then there's some issues, yada yada. I really like that Danica is portrayed as a very smart and savvy woman. She is really comfortable being flirty and she knows that she's good looking and like says that multiple times. And I just think that's a nice change from these like little snippy girls who kind of have to pretend that they're so ugly and no one would ever like them, even though they're like very conventionally attractive. 
And same with the male characters out here. He, he's not like some male douchebag who's like wooing her or something. Yeah, so it's just like a nice genuine story. The other romance is literally just like such a sweet, wonderful story. It's called The Charm Offensive by Alison Cochran, and the book takes place on the set of a sort of bachelor-style reality TV dating show. One of the main characters, Dev, is a producer for the show, and this season's bachelor, eligible bachelor, I guess, is a guy named Charlie, who is sort of a famous, reclusive CEO, Um, and he's almost an Elon Musk-like character, where he's known for being very rich and very weird. But it turns out that Charlie actually has a lot of like severe anxiety and it was very uncomfortable in social situations. Basically, everyone is now worried that he's going to completely mess up the show because he is so awkward and so unromantic. And so Dev is assigned to be Charlie's handler, basically, and help coach him through the show and make sure the show comes out well and make sure that Charlie finds love. The more time they spend together, the more Charlie and Dev start to realize that they're interested in each other. Um... Yeah, but then, of course, they're not supposed to be together. I think the book does a good job of handling coming to terms with sexuality without making it be this whole big thing. Like, them being interested in men is, like, the only thing about them, you know? So, yeah, it's really nice to just, like, watch them come together and have the sort of will-they-won't-they of someone that you're sort of friends with and you don't want to, like, break the tension or call something out in case the other person doesn't feel that way because you don't want to lose their friendship. So I thought that read really genuine and it was just, like, so nice to watch them. And actually, I think both of the books in this category do a really great job of talking about mental health. When the characters deal with mental health issues, it's definitely written very realistically, And it's something that they do struggle with and it affects their relationships and their friendships, but it's also not their entire personality or who they are. Yeah, I think that that is just like very well handled and adds a depth and a genuineness to both of these stories, not just the mental health, but all of the layers of the characters that they build and always a very good happy ending. The next category of books that I want to talk about are collections of short stories. I think these are actually really great if you have been in a reading slump or if you kind of find yourself running out of time to read, starting a book and putting it down, or like spending a lot of time on your phone um, when you know you could be reading. I think what's nice about short story collections for me is that you can start and finish something all in one sitting. It's easier to just read a little bit whenever you have time. And if you pick something up in a month, you don't have to try and remember what happened in the first couple chapters. The first book that I'm going to recommend is... Um, So first up is Nearly All the Men in Lagos Are Mad by Damilare Kuku. This book I found from Instagram Explore. I saw a picture of the cover on someone's post and it was so fun that I was like, I have to read it. It's bright yellow and the title is in a really fun font. And like just the title itself is so eye-catching. And that's what I like about this collection of short stories because a lot of collections and even the next one I'm going to say is like a bit more serious. But Nearly All the Men in Lagos Are Mad is very fun and entertaining all the way through. It's filled with drama, but in a way where it's like very self-aware of that. um, And it's kind of like playing up on it. 
Naturally, all of the stories take place in and around Lagos, Nigeria, though we do get to see different parts of the city and out to the suburbs and different neighborhoods. The thread of the energy of Lagos really runs through all of it. And I think in any big city, you could say the same thing, that the energy of such a vibrant, crowded place just really like permeates everything. I enjoyed that aspect of it. The sort of centering of all the stories around a place and the place almost like having its own personality. The stories in this really run the gamut, but um, true to the title, they are basically all from the perspective of women, but looking at the decisions of men, some of whom are very crazy. (laughs) Um, And some of the women are plenty crazy as well. The stories range from really ridiculous, like this one about this woman who is the wife of a pastor of like a huge sort of mega church, and they call themselves mommy and daddy. And she's trying to defend her husband from some accusations that have been leveled at him all the way to the much more familiar woman who is upset because her boyfriend puts way (laughs) too much emphasis on his mom's opinion and is like a little too close to her. Or even this guy who is the best friend of a huge player and you get to hear about his best friend's antics from, you know, the guy who's kind of on the sidelines through it all. All the stories are really interesting, very entertaining, and just like a very fun, action-packed, yeah, filled with all of these quick little connections. And finally, we have our last book of this episode and the other short story collection, which is 20 Under 40, a collection of short stories by 20 different authors under the age of 40, put together by The New Yorker. So The New Yorker chose all of these authors that they think are either, you know, great authors now, up-and-comers, etc., and selected 20 of their short stories to put in this book. Now, this one reads really differently to Nearly All the Men in Lagos Are Mad, because obviously there are different authors, so in Nearly All the Men in Lagos, you feel a really common theme and tone between all the stories, even though they are all about different things, because of course they're all by the same author, and they have a common theme on purpose, they're supposed to go together. But the New Yorker collection is different because all of the books have a completely different voice, completely different subjects, topics, which I think makes this also a nice, whether it's like a gift or a coffee table book or something, it's a book that anyone could kind of pick up at any point without knowing anything about it and just find something that appeals to them. I picked this book up from a book sale actually, for my coffee table because I thought it would be cute and then I ended up really liking the stories. I haven't actually finished all of them but I just kind of pick it up whenever I want something unexpected and I don't even look at what the stories are about and I just read one. One that I particularly like is about, it's almost like a little Edgar Allan Poe creepy-ish. It's about this woman who hears a story, her friend tells a story of something really traumatic that he witnessed as a child and she gets like really fascinated with the subject of her friend's like childhood trauma and writes a whole book about it and then like profits off of it and then years later she kind of starts feeling morally emotionally a little funky about that you see her kind of try to deal with that but because it's a short story none of this tension like all of it is more of an undercurrent and more implied than it is spelled out so you as the reader get to pick up on things like tones of privilege in this story as this woman feels almost like entitled to uh you know write the story because she heard it so like you know if you heard it it's like fair game or whatever but that stuff is never directly addressed and because all these authors are so talented at writing they really get away with writing these short stories that pack so much of a punch and have so much emotional depth I find it quite a 
nice thing to just plop down and pick up a random story and always find something that's pretty different than what I typically read. You've reached the voicemail of Camellia. Please hang up and dial again. for listening to this episode of pick up the phone our show would not be possible without the support of our amazing team our executive producer is camelia pastor our audio editor is camelia pastor our graphic designer is camelia pastor our marketing team camelia and pastor sales and analytics camelia pastor and of course this season's intern is camelia pastor